Well, good morning. My name is Kevin, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Cornerstone as well. It's my task this morning to uh, expound and on this passage of scripture that Roger has just read for us. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount, the longest uh, section of Jesus' teaching that we have recorded all in one spot. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is really calling for wholehearted discipleship. We've seen that kind of in a number of different ways where Jesus narrows in on one area of our life, one area of our heart, and says, As a, if, you, if you'll be my follower, if you will be my disciple, if you're going to be in part of my community and my family, then, then all of life comes under my lordship, that you become, uh, you become my disciple in every area of life. And we've seen throughout the Sermon on the Mount as well that what is needed is, is actually a transformation of our heart. That what's needed in following after Jesus is that, uh, and what he, the kind of discipleship that he's interested in is this inside out discipleship. That, that he actually begins by renovating our hearts. He works in us at the level of, of that which we love, at, at the level of our affections and, 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 the, and our motives and goals and purpose. He, he, he gets at our desires and our ambitions. And, and from that inside out transformation, our external behavior is modified. He, Jesus does care how we live, but his, his transformation is one of inside out. And so we'll see again this morning how as, as Jesus really narrows in on the area of our life governed by our finances, our wealth, our treasures, that, again, he's calling for a wholehearted discipleship, a, a discipleship that doesn't, like, segment off parts of our lives and say, you don't have access, that I'll, I'll keep this to myself, I'll, uh, I'll still be boss of this area of my life. And Jesus says, no, if I'm Lord, I will be Lord of, of all. And so we're going to just break down this passage in the, the th- there's three paragraphs, so three ideas. He talks about two treasures, two eyes, and two masters. So first of all, two treasures, verse 19 to 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Obviously, two different uh, Treasures. Treasures to us are those things that are of ultimate concern to us. Those things that are most important to us. Those things we love and value most. Probably one of the more um, well-known illustrations of this in uh, in pop culture and movies, or if you're really a nerd in the books, uh, the Lord of the Rings. where the, the character Gollum has the ring of power, right? And what does, what does he call, as, as, as he has this ring of power, what does he call it? He calls it his precious, my precious. This ring that really promised him power, but ultimately it, it made him weak. The, 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 the ring that promised him glory, actually then he becomes more and more isolated. He it promises him beauty, but he becomes hideous as he just values this ring supremely. 
One of the famous quotes as he refers to himself in the plural, we wants it, we needs it, my precious. We wants it, we needs it, my precious. To treasure something, though, is to be human. It's essential to being human, is to, is to have the capacity to love and to value that that we all do that. We all have something of highest concern to us, of ultimate concern, our, our highest love and our deepest devotion that ultimately then controls our lives. It controls the tra- trajectory of our lives. It, it, it's what we base our decisions on. And so Jesus contrasts treasures on earth with treasures in heaven. Now, for a number of reasons, we can, we can hear that and we think, well, Jesus is advocating for delayed gratification. Jesus is saying, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Instead of enjoying life now, have a miserable life now, serve God and be miserable, serve God in his kingdom, but one day you'll be well off in the end. It, in the life to come, you, it will all be made up for. So is, is that what as you read this passage, is that the kind of the sense that you get? That Jesus is saying, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Be miserable now. Instead of enjoying life now, enjoy life later. But Jesus' message throughout the Gospel of Matthew, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is what? The kingdom of heaven is here, now. The kingdom of heaven, according to Jesus, is not a distant future reality, but the kingdom of heaven is now. His message summarized in the Gospel of Matthew is Jesus went about preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And he would say the kingdom of heaven is near, has come near now. Repent and believe the gospel. Enter into this realm where Jesus is Lord. The kingdom of heaven is the the realm where Jesus is acknowledged to be the king. And so store up treasures as part of that kingdom, as opposed to this earthly kingdom. Eternal life is not something that begins when we die or when Jesus returns. Eternal life begins now. Because the heavens, in the Jewish, in the Jewish conception of things, the heavens are where God is right now, all around us. Now, certainly, there are Bible passages that speak of a future reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, you know, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. He's preparing something in the future. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 talks about this inheritance that is never going to spoil or fade that's kept in heaven for us. So certainly, there is a future reward, a future inheritance that is to come. But what Jesus is saying is, is, is not that. He's talking about the present reality of treasure in heaven. Jesus is saying you can choose to either stockpile earthly treasure, stockpile wealth, stockpile things, whatever those things may be, whether they're cars or clothes or homes or land or businesses, you can choose to stockpile Treasures on earth, to seek to secure for yourself safety and security, that you're going to be okay no matter what, 
that to secure for yourself status, to secure for self power that I can do what I want to do because I have the resources at my disposal, to secure for yourself pleasure in the here and then in the now. He says, but if you do, if you choose to stockpile treasures on earth, your treasures will be trashed. Your treasures will be trashed. Eventually, the rust is going to come, the moths will come and eat up those clothes, the rust will eat away at those cars. No matter what, they will break down and they will not last. They'll be stolen, they'll be taken. No matter the size of your investment, no matter the size of your portfolio, no matter the size of the business, Apple computers will not last. No matter your wealth, it won't last. Jesus says it's a poor investment because it will not last. He says, though, that there is a treasure that lasts forever. There's a treasure that is secure and that will not go away, that will not let you down, that will not ever be taken from you. That treasure is the very presence of God. And so he says, live in his presence Enjoy relationship with him. That's what the rest of the, the first part of Matthew chapter 6 has all been all about, right? Like, enjoy the, the, the secret, intimate relationship with the Father in heaven. And know God. Know the, pre, the, the treasure of his presence, both now and forever. Begin to enjoy it now so that you will enjoy it forever. Invest in relationship with God. Devote yourself to the good of other people because those other people are God's treasures. Those are who God loves. And so when we live this way, everything we do and everything we become lasts forever. Are there benefits after death in the new creation? Absolutely. But those begin even now. God himself as your father, Jesus, your brother and friend, his community interwoven into our lives. And so again, as, as we hear Jesus' words to us, don't store up treasures on earth, but rather store up treasures in heaven. Hear invitation and opportunity more than obligation. What a gift of grace that sinful people like you and I have an opportunity to store up treasures in heaven, for we have no right in and of ourselves. It's an invitation. It's an opportunity. Left to ourselves, left in our sin, all we have is this earth and this life which is passing away. But we have this opportunity, this gift of grace to actually begin to invest in eternity and treasure in heaven in the very realm where God is king. So two treasures. And then there's this uh, section about two eyes. A good eye and a bad eye. And uh, it's difficult for us to understand because the the metaphor uh, isn't used, we don't use the the metaphor of the eye like uh, first century Jews would. So Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Again, that analogy doesn't cross cultures very well. But Jesus is using the eye in a metaphorical sense as a, that, that the, the eye is a lamp that illuminates a person's inner life. That when the eye focuses on something of value, it becomes the conduit that fills the heart with whatever is focused on. When you focus on something of value, it, the eye becomes the conduit upon which the heart focuses on. So the way that we see the world is an indication of what is inside of us. It says, Jesus is saying, be careful what you fixate on. Be careful, pay attention to what, you, what occupies most of your attention. Your focus, your purpose, your goals. In other words, what do you dream about, daydream about? When you, what do you think about when you have nothing to think about? Or William Temple famously says, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Right? What is your mind drawn to? So I think Jesus is saying here is our hearts need transformation. That our hearts need transformation to love most what is most lovely, to value most what is most valuable. There's a story in the Gospels, it's repeated several times, where uh, a, a, a person of wealth and power comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I've been really good. I've kept all the commands, and yet I still I'm, I feel like I'm lacking something. Something's missing from my life still. So what, 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 what am I lacking? And Jesus said, sell all that you have, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and come and follow me. And he went away sad, for he had much wealth. Maybe you've thought of the question, well, what? What if Jesus asked me to do that? Sell everything that I own, give it away, so that I can just follow him full time. Has he ever asked, has he asked any of us to do that? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, but in the Gospels, he only asked one person to do that. Like, like Peter kept a home. Many of the disciples had family still. Uh, they, they, you know, it says they left everything to follow him. Yeah, they left their jobs or whatever to follow him and uh, full time. But they, you know, they kept some possessions. Sometimes I, I'm, I feel comforted by that. I'm like, well, he's, Jesus only asked, of all the people Jesus interacted with, he only asked one person to sell everything and follow him, to give up all possessions. And then as one author I read wrote, if you're the kind of person who's comforted by the fact that he only asked one person to do that, it's a good indication you may be the kind of person he asks to do that. But maybe you think, well, what, what would I do if Jesus asked me to give up everything? Well, what, what would you do if he asked you to give up just some of your reserves, some of your resources, as a little sign of gratitude that he gave all of himself for you? You see, if we're not faithful in the small things of life, we will not be faithful in the big things. 
But when Jesus comes and says, be generous, give of your resources, sell some things and give them away, where do you look? Where does your eye turn? Where do you look? Do we turn a blind eye to the suffering in this world? Turn a blind eye to whether or not our wealth actually harms other people or communities? Are we willing to look honestly at our lives or are there closets of our lives that are closed off or we're not willing to examine? One of the challenging parts of, um, of this is that when we think about the rich, we always think of someone else. When you think of rich people, you always think of someone else because every one of us in this room someone, knows someone who has a lot more money than we do. There's always someone else, just a little more rich, richer than us. When the reality is, historically and globally, virtually all of us are the rich. Like, do you have clothes that you're not currently wearing? Maybe hanging in a closet, in a pile beside your bed? <laughs> you have extra. Have you ever scraped food into the green bin? You have extra. Have you ever spent money on something that is not an absolute necessity? You have extra. We're the rich. And so no one ever thinks they're rich, but scripture constantly gives warning to the rich and greedy because it's got an addictive power. Wealth is addictive. As you increase your living, you increase your income, you, you know, you add another expense and you add another expense and eventually you think you can't live without those things. You feel like they're needed. And Jesus says, focus, focus your life. Be careful what you're looking at. Be careful where you are focusing your attention. Walk in the light of truth. I want to fill your life and your heart with light. So be careful upon which that which you focus on. And then thirdly, Jesus talks about two masters. No one can serve two masters, he says. You can't serve God and money. Again, I want to be careful. It's not a sin to have money. It's not a sin to be wealthy. We, we like to break this, you know, the, it's the rich are bad and the poor are good, or the poor are bad because they don't work hard, or the rich are, and the rich are good, they're a sign of God's blessing. Like, that's, Scripture never never put, makes clean breaks like that. It's not a sin to, to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be rich. You know, there's, what, what matter, it's not, it doesn't even matter if you're rich or poor as to whether or not you're greedy. There's poor people who are really greedy, and there are rich people who are really greedy. There are, there are poor people who are righteous, and there are poor people who are unrighteous. There are rich people who are righteous, and those who are unrighteous. It's not a sin to have money, but it's a sin to serve it as a God. And Jesus says, beware, though. Money is an alluring master. It offers you security and status and significance and power and pleasure. And when your heart is devoted to an idol as alluring and powerful as money, you find yourself with no reason to trust in God and to walk with him. See, Jesus is emphatic here, right? He's, he, he makes no provision. 
You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus, again, demands and invites wholehearted discipleship, whole life discipleship. He's not into open marriages. He invites full allegiance, not half measures, no part-time discipleship. And he, he warns us here, money enslaves. Money as a master will enslave you. That's the, the, the words there, like serve, doulos, is, 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 it's, a, it's talking about slavery. Money as a master will enslave you. You are in service to it, and you are not free. Many of us have found this, that as you make more money, you actually lose freedom. More time, more energy, more attention, all in its service. You know, there's, I've, I've talked about this before, but the, the law of diminishing marginal utility. Um, where the, the law of diminishing marginal utility means that the more you get of something, the, the, the less um, value and the yes, less enjoyment you actually get out of it, right? Like if you're really, really hungry, the, the first slice of pizza is really good. The 12th, a little bit less good than the first. But when it comes to, to wealth, the, the, the law of diminished marginal utility actually becomes the law of negative utility. There's a point at which when you make more money, you actually get less happiness. Now, none of us believe that. We always think, if I could just make a little more, I'd be a little bit, a little bit happier. But there is a point at which when you make more money, you become less happy. Jim Carrey said, Jim Carrey, you know, Dumb and Dumber. I think it's a really smart quote, though. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Money as a master will ultimately let you down. It will not satisfy you, but it will enslave you. Because as, as Blaise Pascal says, you have an infinite abyss in your heart. And if you try to fill that and stuff it full of money, you'll never fill it. You see, Jesus is a master who does not enslave you, but who actually sets you free. He's your redeemer. He's come to set us free to become who we were made to be. Jesus as a master will never let you down because he will be with you always to the very end of the age and he will fill you with the very divine love for which you were made. See, Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount invites us to invest our lives in what truly matters to invest in what God is doing in this world, to invest in what will truly satisfy. Because, friends, your soul is anchored in an imperishable treasure, an infinite treasure. 
the treasure, the pearl of great price, as Jesus refers to himself and his kingdom in another parable. You say, well, how do I, how do I begin to store up treasures on earth, or on treasures in heaven? How do, I, how do I serve God? It's a great question. I think the answer is that we, we um, as I said, Jesus is, he, the transformation that he works is an inside-out transformation. But, but it also, and, and so that he changes and renovates our heart so that we love different things. And so then we live differently. We, we act differently. So our hearts are not devoted to the same idols as uh, they, they used to be because we've become uh, disciples of Jesus. But there are practices. There are things we do that actually direct our heart, that actually direct our, 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 uh, our love. So when you, when you constantly do something, you actually begin to love that thing more and more and more and become more and more devoted to it. And so Jesus does invite us to practices of generosity. Practices of generosity that will feel scary and sacrificial, but that are needed to break our devotion to mammon, which is the, the word in the original language here that we translate money, which is a, a, a money as a power, money as a God. And the way to do that is through generosity of giving up of making less money but making decisions that will cost you, make you less money that will that, you, that will free you from bondage to this master that will ultimately let you down and whose treasures will eventually be trashed in our lives anyway and so here in these words of Jesus an invitation an invitation to serve a master who will truly satisfy you and who will never let you down, whose treasure will go on both now and forevermore. So would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to be part of this kingdom, this kingdom of heaven that begins even right now. And that goes on forever. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as king king of your kingdom. We acknowledge that you are a master who will truly satisfy us. And so as a community, we ask to be set free from the love of money and the accumulation of treasures on earth. Help us to enjoy the good gifts that you have placed in our lives and to enjoy this world and the relationships and the many good things you have placed in our lives, but not to put ultimate concern on them. So set us, our hearts free to love you, our God, with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, Holy Spirit, we open ourselves for you to speak to us and to lead us in our situation and our circumstances to live lives that reflect you, our Father in heaven who is generous to us. Because, Father, we want to ultimately reflect generosity because you are generous. You have not withheld your Son 
your only son, whom you love from us, but you have given him up for us. Jesus, we remember that though you were rich, for our sake you became poor, so that we, through your poverty, might become rich. Rich towards you, our Father in heaven. Rich towards God. Rich in a kingdom with an inheritance that will never spoil or fade. And so, Lord Jesus, open our eyes, open our hearts, soften us, give us the gift of repentance where that's needed, the gift of faith to take steps of obedience and to live lives of faithfulness and allegiance to you, Jesus, our good shepherd and our king. For it's in your good name we pray, amen.